working together again. All right. All right, so now today, um, what I'm going to talk about today, I need you to be clear on something. I'm going to say a phrase, and I'm going to repeat about 10, 15 times during the sermon. It goes like this. From this day forward. That's the phrase. I want you to remember. It's very important that you remember it. From this day forward. Say it with me, everybody. From this day forward. Good. Two more times. From this day Good, you got it. Last time, everybody together. From this day, you got it. Um, I want you to know that this is a guilt-free zone. This is a shame-free zone because Jesus Christ died on the cross to set you free from guilt. So it is a trip of the enemy to make you feel guilty or ashamed because Jesus bore those on the cross so that you might be set free. That's very important today because of the subject matter that very few times you'll hear talk about in church. But as we conclude our sermon series today, we're going to talk about it. So if you're here today, uh, God has ordained you to be here. And we're going to conclude our After the Rose sermon series. And we're going to talk about this very difficult topic that ain't nobody want to talk about. But we're going to talk about it to conclude. And we're talking about it on Palm Sunday. Glory to God. So here's my title, and then um, we'll see if we'll get through it. Here's my title. Help, I want to get rid of my spouse and keep my happiness. Uh-huh. I want to I say bye-bye-bye to my spouse because I want my happiness. The, the point is, that whenever you're going to talk about divorce, you need to know what, what, what the two issues you're dealing with. You're dealing with the issue of, I want my happiness, so I'm going to get rid of this knucklehead. Or I want my happiness, I'm going to get rid of this young lady. Ladies and gentlemen, what God is suggesting to you is to get rid of your unhappiness and keep your spouse. Lord have mercy. I'm going to give you a little time to walk out now before we get going. My God, everybody all right? Say my little phrase again. From. That's not everybody. Every, this is very, it really is important. Everybody together, say it with me. From. You got it. Lord have mercy. Y'all ready? Put your seatbelt on. Click, click. Click, click. You need two sets of seatbelts today. Click, click. Click, click. Let's go stand. Let's read the word of the Lord. Let's stand with me, please. Uh, let's see what God has to say to us today. Lord, have mercy. Mercy, mercy, mercy. Um, everybody real loud. Read with me. Some Pharisees came to Jesus testing him and asking. Stop right there. Whenever you read the Bible, you got to understand the historical context. And you have to know what they were thinking in that day. In that day, there were three different rabbis that, whose thoughts were popular in the culture. So when you hear the rabbis, some rabbis came to him, it's one of three sets. The first one is, is, is the thinking of Rabbi Shammai. His thought was, you can't divorce somebody unless they said they were a virgin, but after you marry him, you found that they weren't a virgin, then that's the reason you can get a divorce. Then there's another rabbi called Rabbi Hillel, and, and his, his thoughts were, if she put too much salt in the food, you can get rid of her. 
In other words, if, if she ain't making you happy, then it's time to say bye-bye. Bye-bye-bye-bye. Bye-bye-bye. Don't sing it. That's not a good thing. Bye-bye-bye. <laughs> and then the third one said, the third one was, look at him, man. Look at him. The third rabbi said, it don't matter. If, if you find somebody finer, just get rid of this one and take that one. That, that's the thinking of the day. So when these Pharisees show up, please note only the men could divorce the woman. Oh, that's going to make sense in a minute. Only men could divorce the woman. So when the Pharisees show up, they're trying to trick Jesus now. So here's what they say. They say, they say hey, some Pharisees came to Jesus testing him and asking, read it with me, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for any my, 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 my. There's the phrase. For any reason at all. But before we get there, at least that culture asked the question. This culture ain't asking no question. They don't care what Jesus says. They just don't feel a certain way, and so they're going to get rid of their spouse. At least they had the, the, the spiritual understanding to ask the question and not just respond based on their emotions. Now, how must the culture see when the church is just as dark as the culture. It's going to be all right today. It's going to be all right. You can leave. Um, next, verse 4, verse 4, verse 4. Come on, let's go. Verse 4, verse 4. Here we go. And he answered and said, have you not? Stop right there. In other words, there is an assumption that if you say you're religious or have a relationship with God, that you would know the word. So that you will not respond based on your emotions, but you'll respond based on the word. But we have a generation of believers that don't know the word because they're biblically illiterate. So you just respond like the rest of the world does. So now if, 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 if she don't feel right no more, if he don't look right no more, then I'm just going to be out. The Bible says, no, no, have you read? You can't, I know you're in America, which is the land of the free. I can do whatever I want to do. But God says when you know him as personal Lord and Savior, you got to check with him before you can make a decision like that. Oh, it's going to make sense today. I'm not saying you're going to like it. I'm not even saying you're going to stay until I'm done. But I am saying it is the word. And because it is, we're not in a popularity contest. We preach the word whether it feel good to you or not. Whether you shouting or whether you crying, whether you're saying, stay in, or whether you're saying, get out of my life, we preach the word of God. Can I get a witness, somebody? Can I get a witness? Here we go. It get real good now. Watch it now. Watch it now. Uh, read it with me. Have you not read that he who created them from the beginning made them male and My God. Next verse. Verse 5. Here we go. And say, for this reason, leave his father and, and be joined to his wife, and the two, Jesus. When you got married, you liked your little boo, so you say, yeah, this is going to work. You spent about $45,000 on a wedding, so you walk down the aisle. You had a little reception for them. But when you walk down the aisle, you just walk down, and you walk down as two. And somewhere between you holding your spouse-to-be's hand and saying amen, and then hearing, ta-ta-ta-ta-ta-ta, God made you one. 
you didn't make yourself one. God made you one. Now, since God made you one, you can't unwind yourself. Oh, it's going to get, say it, say it, say it. Next verse, here we go, here we go, here we go. Next verse, it says, so they are no longer but most important phrase. What therefore? Stop, 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 stop. Not the pastor, not you, not her, not him. What therefore? So if God set it up, you can't tear it down. It continues. What therefore God has joined together, let no separate. In other words, the word here, man, is not referring to male and female. It's referring to, it's referring to the human and the divine. Let me tell you what that means. The, 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 the environment and the context of the text then is suggesting, how dare you feeble, fragile human think you can disrupt what the divine has created. Let me say it another way. How dare you arrogant and self-centered human believe that you can on a whim disrupt what God had originally intended for this thing called marriage. Jesus, help us Lord today. My job is just to preach it. Don't shoot the preacher. Shoot the word of God. You may be seated in the house. Lord have mercy. Woo! Okay, now let me say it again, cause somebody going, let me say it again. Um, um, from this day, come on everybody. From this day, here's all I'm trying to suggest to you today. That God has a high view of marriage. And whether you weren't taught it or not, does not diminish his high view. And since he has a high view, we the church must have a high view of marriage too. So I'm not, God is here to cover your guilt, your shame, all your past mistakes. God says, I'm going to cover them. I'm going to wash them as white as snow. I'm going to give you grace. I'm going to give you mercy. I'm going to give you compassion. I'm going to give you all of that. But just let it be known from You read the passage, so I lost 40% of you. Let's go again. From you got it. Now let's see what God has to say to us. Now today is a little different. I'm going to take a, I'm going to take a, a, a macro view, which means big picture view. Then I'm going to go a, a, little, a little focused and intentional. So I'm going to go through sociology. Then I'm going to go through a little bit of biblical history. Then I'm going to go through theology to get to what God intended in this discussion with the Pharisees. Now let me show you uh, initially, if you have your sermon notes, pick it up now. And let me show you initially how profound... This thing called marriage is. Here's what, here's what a sociolo Harvard sociologist had to say about this. Whenever a country that's a superpower is going to lose its power, there's seven things that are always, every last one in history, there's seven things that become normalized and true for all of them. Everyone, America, here we go. This is how God set it up, and you believe you're smarter than God, so let me tell you what's going to happen, and let me tell you what's happening to our culture. 
Here are the seven things that he says. Every society that falls from within has these same seven signs. Sign number one, marriage loses its sacredness. It's no more holy matrimony. It's let's get together and have a little contract. It's no longer something that's made in heaven. Today it's simply something that happened and yeah, let's just kind of do this thing together. Number two. It's in your sermon notes. The traditional meaning of marriage is lost, so now we have a whole lot of cohabitation. Now it's, let's just live together. We don't have to have no commitment. Come on. Let's just hang out together. Uh, by the way, let's just try it before we buy it. It's just cool, man. Let's just chill. Why, why, why you want to? make all this kind of commitment. Let's just see if it works. So if it don't work, we, don't, we can save all that lawyer fee money and we can just go our separate ways. You know a country is going to implode. A, a, a superpower seldom ever um, gets defeated by an external enemy. They usually implode from within. Watch it now. So what's happening is when these values start to be minimized, then the culture, then the, then the, then the country starts to implode from within. All you got to do is watch what's happening in Washington. And you know, since nobody can agree on anything, then we're going to have to implode from within. Second one is that all of a sudden cohabitation rises. Number three, watch it. Number three, the feminist movement abounds and women lose their inclination to procreate. Every single time. You lose. So I don't, I don't want to have more important things to do with my life than just do this. Let me go do my own thing. So therefore, let's minimize what God had intended, and let me just do my own thing. Because after all, I'm free. I can do whatever the heck I want to do. Number four, I'm showing you what the culture that is, that is going to implode from within, they've got to minimize this thing called marriage. Increase public disrespect for parents and authority. So now you've got parents suing referees in a, little, in a little soccer game. What is wrong with you? It's a game. What is wrong with you? Well, yeah, you never treat my kids like that. It was a fault. It was a fault. You do. What is wrong with you? It's a game. All of a sudden, you don't want to respect the little teenager that's trying to referee a game. All of a sudden, your kid's talking to you crazy on the street. I mean, ridiculously crazy. You're talking about, hey, John, let me take your phone for 15 minutes. 15 minutes? First of all, you shouldn't have a phone. But I'm not, we ain't calling count. I'm going to leave y'all alone. I mean, do your thing. But, 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 but 15 minutes haven't talked to you about, mama, shut up. I wish you would. I wish you would. I can't say that it's public. I can't say that. I can't say that. If I was in Jamaica, I'd say, one of us going to jail. <laughs> but I'm not in Jamaica, so I'm not going to say it. <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> Number five, number five, number five, leave that alone. See, get me off my, my point. Anyway, number five, hostility of intellectuals toward traditional family spreads. Now, when you go to the Ivy League schools of our culture where debate is supposed to be normal, now if you have a traditional view of the family, now they don't want you to talk. Because they say, well, you're just so small-minded. All I'm trying to say is when, when you cannot, when you have an environment who's supposed to be uh, an environment of ideas and varying, then everybody can talk. But when you shut up a part of the culture, now you know you're heading in the wrong direction. Because it's the freedom of speech and the freedom of ideas. and the, That's what's supposed to But when you start 
seeing them minimize intellectuals who think differently than others, you know you're heading in the wrong direction. Number six says this. Number six says, increase acceptance of divorce, adultery, and perversion. It's normalized. It's not a big deal. When all your friends doing it, God didn't zap them, so he ain't going to zap you. And so you're not asking what does God say. You're asking what's popular opinion say. Because that's what matters when you take God out of the relationship. Number seven, it says this. It says an increase in sexual brokenness, rebellion, and juvenile delinquency. When these happen, you know you're heading in the, in the wrong direction as a culture. And where are we as Americans? We're right there. Why does Satan hate this thing called marriage so much? Why does he hate it? Why does he put a bullseye on your back? Three reasons. Reason number one, it looks like God. We talked about that already. I don't have to, refer to, I don't have to refresh that. Number two, though, is because it makes you act like God. Let me help you out. Marriage, in the video we saw, what we saw was um, it's, good, it's, Palm, it's Palm Sunday. And yet still we're talking about marriage on Palm Sunday. Do you know what Palm Sunday is? Palm Sunday is where everybody's waving. The oh, here is our king. He's riding in another. It's a celebration. But in every celebration, there is suffering coming on Friday. When suffering show up on Friday, the same people that praised him on Palm Sunday is the people that crucify him on Good Friday. However, you cannot have a resurrection unless you have a crucifixion, which means everybody loved coming into your wedding talking about, oh, you look so pretty, you look so pretty, oh my God. But a suffering day is coming when you got to die. But most people don't want to die. They, they want the resurrection. They just don't want the crucifixion. And if that's what you want, then don't get married. Stay single. Because I know I got some married folk in here that has had to die for this relationship to work. Can I get a witness, somebody? You don't even want to clap today. Y'all nervous. You're just nervous right now. You're like, oh, God, oh, God, where we going with this? Oh, God. God says, if you don't die to yourself, then I don't get to live through you. In marriage, you will die to yourself so that Christ can live through you. If you don't want that, singles, then don't get married. Because that's the, that's the direction in which you're heading to. Gee, if you're going to have a gospel-centered marriage, then you've got to die to your, what Jesus did in the garden. Not my will, but thy will be done. You've got to die to your will so his will can be thrown through you. Because the purpose of marriage, don't you ever forget this. The reason why he's waving the banner high. The purpose of marriage is that God wants your marriage to be a reflection of his love for the church. That's why you get married. So that you can show off and boast about how you get to die to yourself so that the other person can be set free. That's the gospel. What's the third reason why? He hates it because it breaks your child's heart. So the enemy attacks your marriage because he knows it will shatter your kid's heart. And if it's an option for you, it's a command for them and for every other generation that follows. Take a look at this. And tell me what you think. Take a look. Hey. Come on in. See you rearrange the furniture. 
realtor suggested it. Oh, did she suggest that you uh, pull the weeds out in the front yard because it's killing the curb appeal? We're too busy raising our kids. Oh, you kind of brought that on yourself when you made me weekends only. It's a little hard to share the love with someone who's married to their job. There it is. Yeah, it's called truce. You're not going to do this. What am I doing? You make it all one-sided. You make yourself out to be the saint. No one's a saint for just showing up to be a parent. What is that supposed to mean? That's whatever you want it to mean. Don't talk to me like I'm dumb, Jen. I'm not dumb. Stop it. I never said you were dumb. That's what you meant. That's what you meant. I know when you're talking down to me. I've experienced it for the past 17 years. You're not a saint like everybody thinks you are. I know it and they know it. Stop it! We didn't ask for you guys to get divorced, okay? We can't keep doing this every weekend. We need you guys to love us more than you guys hate each other. stakes are high, not just for you, but for your legacy and every person that comes after you. That's why God raised you to a banner high, and that's why he said, divorce I didn't create, marriage I created, and don't try to understand divorce until you understand what he means about marriage. And he's pleading with you. If it's lights out for the church, then the culture has no hope. Which is why you and I can't live the same way they do. Which is why we have to count the cost. Remember my saying. From this day, because of his grace, because of his mercy, because of his love, he covers us. But what he's suggesting is from this day forward, I want you to have a high view of marriage as well. And I want you to love like I love. And now, now singles, I want to talk to you first before I get back to marriage. So singles, I need you to scoot up. If you're here today and you're single, I need you to listen real closely. I'm going to give you eight, eight reasons, eight indicators, eight signs, real quick singles, that shows that you're headed for a divorce before you even get married. And what I'm not trying to condemn you with these. I'm trying to show you the work you've got to put in before you just run down the aisle in your desperation to show up at a, at a Christmas party at the office. It's not just the Christmas party. At all. It is the rest of your life. So come on, let me show you the eight. That you better make sure you're wrestling with as you go in this direction. Number one, eight signs people who have a tendency to get divorced before they even get married. Number one, you lack premarital preparation. You, you, you just think it's a game. You just think, oh, I found the person. Oh, my gosh, his, his six-pack is so cool. Oh, my God. You just think, I've never met anybody cuter. Oh, my God. Not realizing that the cuteness and the six-pack is going to change over time. 
which is why you got to deal with your issues. Number two, secondly, that you come from a broken home. That's not condemning you. That's reminding you that you've got some work to do to prepare because since it was an option for you, for, for your parents, it can be an option for you. So you've got to put the work in. You've got to make sure you go find your model and say, hey, can you just help me walk down this path, please? You've got to make sure you read. You've got to make sure you, you enter and, and deal with some podcasts that can help you rethink how you should live life. Number three says the idea of cohabitation. You know it. I don't have to go anymore. The, the percentages are, are incredibly high, almost 80% that get a divorce anyways. Number four is a weak spiritual foundation. What marriage will demand of you is that you say, not my will, but your will be done. And since that's the goal, you better make sure that foundation is solid. You better make sure that you're telling yourself no and yes to Jesus regularly because in marriage, that's all you're going to do is say no to me and yes to Jesus and say no to me and yes to my spouse so that they know that you'll run to the back of the line every time for them. Number five, poor relational support. Whenever you find somebody going through divorce, they find other people that are going through it and then they group think it to make it easier for them. So what you ultimately do is you simply say, well, let me see who's like me. Since God didn't zap him, he's not going to zap me. So I don't care what God's word says. It looked like it worked out for them. So I'm going to do me. You don't, you don't even realize second, third, fourth, fifth generation. So what you're really saying is, I want my happiness so bad that I will fight for it till the day I die. But I will not stay with this fool and not be happy. And then you say, would God want me to be unhappy? And to you I say, I'll give you a thousand reasons why he wants you to be unhappy. If he gets the glory out of it. And don't you pretend as if that's not true. He made his own son unhappy. Why would he allow you to be an ex give you an excuse for it? So then what we need to get good at is learning how to be unhappy and still choose joy. That's what we need to get good at. Because if we don't get good at that, then you're going to always want to be in this cyclical pattern of I'm not going to be unhappy, which is what you did in your dating relationship. You were unhappy, so you left. You were unhappy, so you left. You're unhappy. And you think because you got married, all of a sudden it's going to change. No, you got to learn how to be unhappy and choose joy. Look at your neighbor and say, choose joy, choose joy, choose joy, choose joy. Number six. Chronic criticism and negative. Listen to me real quick. If every single thing you look at, you go to somebody and say, oh, gosh, I can't say the color on the wall is bad. You go to your job. I, why they don't give me a better chair? You go to your car. I don't even like this car. I don't like the steering wheel. You go everywhere you go. You're on up. What do you think is going to happen when you go home? Oh, I can't stand this fool either. <laughs> if negativity, if, if uh, criticism and negativity is a part of who you are, then you need to go get some help to get rid of that. Because you're going to take it into the relationship. So don't blame the other person. You the common one that everywhere you go, it's negative. Number, number seven, you have a secular view of marriage and divorce. In other words, you didn't get married for what God really called it to be. You got married because you thought it was make you happy. Since happiness is your God, then you go be happy. That's a secular view of marriage. 
You get mad because you want to give God glory through your relationship. You get mad because you want to show the world Jesus' relationship to the church. And that on the worst day, he loves the church. On the best day, he loves the church. No matter what, he loves the church. And since he didn't get a divorce, you can't either. And then the last one says, oh, God, shopper's mentality. You know shopper's mentality. You go shopping. When you were dating, you went shopping. And you shopped and shopped and shopped and shopped and shopped. All of a sudden, you get mad. You think the shopping's going to stop? It won't. That's what we do. So God says, I want the two to become one. That's what he says. Pull it up in the verse for me. Uh, Matthew chapter 19. Pull it up at about verse number, uh, let's go to about verse 7. Here we go. Yeah, here we go. Read it with me, everybody. So they are no longer but one. Let me see if I can help you define what marriage really is. Because some of you don't get it. So let me see if I can help you. Here's what God says. That you are, when you want to get married, he says, it's like an egg. When you crack the egg open, you've got two parts of the egg. You've got the yolk, and you've got the egg white. Praise the Lord. So what he says is, you walk down the aisle. Tun, 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 tun. You walk down, and everybody's all smiling, all rise. Everybody rises, and everybody's all excited. And so the yolk, which is the dude, walks down, and the, the egg white, which is the female, walks down. And, and, and while the pastor is praying, you be like, Lord, uh, till death do us part, for richer, for poorer, in sickness and in health. And while the pastor is praying, something is happening. Lord, have mercy. So the pastor be praying up a storm. And while it's praying, before you hear the last song, God is doing something. And he is mixing something up. And he is talking about, and you praying, and you smiling, and you know, I love you, boo. I love you. Um, boo, you, you everything to me. You everything, boo. Um, boo, with this ring, I be wed till the day I die. And you don't notice it, but something is happening in heaven. And God's mixing this thing up in heaven. So that by the time the pastor says, I welcome, I welcome Mr. and Mrs. Borne Agogo. I don't know what the name is. But all I know, you came in as two. And by the time everybody clapping and you leaving the stage, something miraculous has happened. And the two has become one flesh. Be careful now. Be careful now. Because when you become one flesh, ah, all of a sudden, what man, what God has joined together. Let me remind you. Be careful. I'm preaching Bible now. What God has joined, even if you think you can separate, what God has joined together, I dare you to take the yolk out of this, take it out by itself. I dare you to take the egg white out, take it out all you want. You can't separate it. That's because you're missing something. What am I missing, Pastor? You thought that when you got married and you signed this little paper, you thought, yeah, Lord. Woo! And when it gets bad and you don't like it anymore, you thought, well, listen, I can't stand the bone in your body. You ain't as fine as you used to be. You ain't as cute as you used to be. You can't cook. 
You, a womanizer, you thought that you could tear it up. Baby girl, tear it up all you want. Let me remind you of something. Just because you tear it up on earth, don't mean you have torn it up in heaven. And you can try all you want. God, I can't stand him, God. God, I can't stand him. I can't stand him, God. I can't stand her, God. I got to get rid of this, God. You can try it all you want, God says. When you made the covenant with me, it wasn't just written in the courthouse downtown. It was written in the chronicles of heaven. And so the only way to undo it is if heaven undoes it. You're not feeling me still. Let me show you something else. 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 There's a difference when you have a hard-boiled egg. <laughs> because you're not pliable or teachable anymore. So all of a sudden now you think, well, I don't like him anymore. I don't like her anymore. So I'm going to get rid of her. Lord have mercy. So now you think, preach, pastor. That because you don't like them, you can divorce one and marry another. The problem with a hard egg whose heart is hard and who don't want to listen to God is that you're going to marry, you're going to leave one person, but since you hard, you don't mix as easy anymore. So now, this the girl now, the egg white, is trying to mix with somebody else, but you don't realize that you can't mix because you still mix with the... What God is suggesting is, no, no, no. You can't just walk away talking about, well, I don't like them, mister. See, go you the egg white. You so hard now, nobody can talk to you no more. I'm done with her. I can't stand her. No problem, sir. Here's your problem, though. You're going to go try to mix with somebody else, but because you hard and it was not dissolved in heaven, now you're walking around looking like a knucklehead because you can't mix because you have been already mixed. Preach, Pastor. Preach, Pastor. Preach, Pastor. Preach, Pastor. Preach, Pastor. Let me help you out. Let me help you out because I know what somebody's thinking right now. I said, from this day, Everybody say it with me. From this day The reason most people don't want to preach about this is because there are too many people that are hurting about it. And so they think, yeah, I shouldn't preach about it because too many people are going to be hurt. But the problem is because we don't preach about it, nobody knows what, what they're really doing when they get married. So because you have a low view of marriage, you can come out and eat anytime you want. But when you have a high view of marriage and you know how God sees it, now you can't just walk in and out because you know it's chiseled in heaven. That's why he says, that's why he says, ooh, you're not going to like this. That's why he says, that's why he says, so if you leave your spouse, this is an unpopular message, and go marry another, you commit adultery. Why are you committing adultery? Because the oneness has not been annulled. So now when you go down the street, 
and get you some money. That's why you said this look crazy. You can't cook nothing with that. You said that look crazy. That, you know what? Because God says you can't undo the oneness and just go get somebody else. But it don't start in marriage, y'all. It start when you're single. Come here, let me show you what I mean. The text is going to say it. I want to put it up in a minute, verse number 10. And I'm going to show you something. The text is, Jesus is talking to Pharisees who have all these opinions. And he's talking to his disciples. And he's showing his disciples. And the reason he's talking to them is because he wants his disciples to know this is how I want you to live. Watch the text. Watch the disciples' conclusion. Pull it up for me. I want you to read this with me slowly, everybody. Here's what he says. Read it. The disciples said to him, who's him? Jesus. Here's what he said. If the relationship of the man with his wife is like this. No, 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 no. Don't read no more yet. The disciples were like, hold up, Jay. Hold up, Jay. Jay. You mean to tell me, Jay, that once I get married to her, Jay. Jay, for real, for real, Jay. I'm talking about Jesus now. But, you know, they're born. So he's like, Jay. You mean that, I, so if something happened, I can't just go and say, deuces, I'm bailing? No. Here is the disciples' conclusion, having heard Jesus' conversation about marriage. Hold up, Jay. It is better. No, bro, I can't do this then. No, bro, it's better for me not to marry. What does the disciples know that we don't know? That if you view a high view of marriage, you're not going to marry no fool. Because you know you stuck to the fool. Until you see him in the great getting up morning. For those of you who don't know that, that's Baptist terminology. For when he comes back for us. It's called the great getting up morning. Now listen, listen, this is very important. This is why Jesus is going to say, some of y'all can't handle this. Because if you don't know Jesus, you can't handle that. It's too much for you. Which is why he wants you to take it high and serious. So in no way am I teaching you this to condemn you. I'm teaching you this so you can know what the Bible says about it. And you can get mad all you want from me. But if I don't teach it, then the church will be dark. And if the church is dark, then there's no hope for those outside there. You don't just bail. You don't. No, if I was talking about, hey, man, the word, I got a word of the Lord from you that you're going to receive your blessing. Here's what I hear. Yes, sir. But when I said there's a word of the Lord for you, that, that marriage is sacred and you need to keep it sacred. Do you see what I'm saying? Do you see what I'm saying? That's why people don't do it because they're afraid that then you're going to leave and you're not going to give no more. Let me remind you, that's why we don't live at our edges. So we can freely preach the word of God. Because if everything you give, I spend, then when you leave, I'm going to be mad. I can't be mad when you leave because that will make me not preach the whole truth. Does that make sense, everybody? Let me say it one more time. Everybody together. From You got it. Let's move on. Let me show you now how powerful this is and why this problem starts with singles. Next verse. But he said to them, not all men, not all men can accept this statement, but only those to whom it has been given. So not everybody's going to like it. I know that. Watch the next 
face. Three types of singles. Next one. Here's what he says. And Jesus said, not everyone is mature enough to live a married life. So just because you have the right plumbing don't mean you're ready for marriage. Interpret it at home. It requires a certain aptitude and grace to be married. Marriage isn't for everyone. Some from birth seemingly never give marriage a thought. Others never get asked or accepted, and some decide, watch this last one, not to get married for kingdom reasons. Now, here's my question. Where are those that get married for kingdom reasons at? Where are they at? They said, I'm not getting married because I want to devote my life to God. Where are those people at? I, you don't have them because today we're not celebrating those people. We're saying, what's wrong with you? You got to get married because marriage is our God of our culture. We got to get married. And then you don't have people, parents raising kids to be godly people that want to go into ministry, that want to serve God completely. You don't have pastors encouraging people to model the way to be single and love God and serve him. Here's why that's a problem. This is where it ties now to married life. That is why when you do get a divorce, you think you are, you have a, a letter on your chest because you don't know how to live for God without somebody else in your life. See, that's why everybody feels you have to get remarried. That's why the Bible don't make, that Bible don't care, it matters to so many people, because they have to get remarried, because they don't know that the greater prize is to be single like Jesus was, is to be single like Paul was, so that they can fulfill the call that God has on their lives. That's why you have to now deviate from the word to manage your sin. Let's wrap it up with this and then I'm done. Y'all looking at me crazy today. Go to verse number, go to verse number eight. Go to verse number eight. Here's what it says, and then I'll land the plane. I'm done, I'm done, I'm done, I'm done. He said, remember though, the Pharisees come up with these arguments because they're trying to trap, trap Jesus. Jesus said, because of your hardness of heart, Moses permitted you to divorce your wife. So it's the hardness that made him do it. Jesus says, I'm not going to Deuteronomy 24, which is what Moses referred to it and gave them the exception. Jesus says, you're not going to trick me because I'm not reassuring Deuteronomy 24. I'm going to go to back to what marriage was originally created to be. And it was created so that you would demonstrate what Jesus and his bride, the church, looks like when Jesus is loving that bride no matter what. He says, no, I'm not, I'm not going to reassure your hardness of heart. I'm going back to it. A story is told, a true story happening right now where a man and his wife, two kids, are married. His wife gets brain, a brain tumor, um, cancerous, and a lot of doctors say, I can't deal with this. I think she's going to die. One doctor they found that says, no, I think it might work. Let me try. So he goes to surgery. True story. Goes into surgery, picked the tumor out, golf ball size. And all of a sudden, as she gets back up, I know she gets back up, and she's a completely different person. Now she don't want to be married, nor she don't want to be a mom to her kids. Now she says, I'm done with y'all, I'm leaving. Gets a divorce and walks away. <clears throat> Never to see her kids anymore or her husband. <clears throat> About 15 months later, 
the cancer comes back. And now she don't have nobody to care for her. So now her husband finds out, goes and gets her, brings her into that house, kicking and screaming. But he says, I have never been divorced from you in heaven. And I want to fight and care for you until the day. Everybody knows she's going to die. Until the day you die, your kids and I are here for you. Let me ask you something. Who does that sound like? Jesus. When you wanted to have nothing to do with him, he came running after you. When you said, Jesus, I can't stand you. He said, that's why I went to the cross to die for you. What did that young man do? All he's doing is, is demonstrating what a gospel center marriage looks like. What should all our marriages look like? Gospel-centered marriages where, where, where we decide, not my will, but thy will be done. And by the way, for those of you who want to now abuse the grace and the mercy of God, God says, be careful because if you mess up one of my people, I'll take you home prematurely. Because you act a plum fool. So be careful and don't think this gives you license to act a fool. It does not. What it gives you license for is to bask in the grace of God and worship him more than you've ever worshipped him before. Because you're receiving grace that you don't deserve. Let me close on this and then I'm done. Ladies and gentlemen, let me remind you of something real quick. Real, real quick. Many of you have fancy cars and you don't like to park your fancy cars close. You want to park it far because you don't want nobody dinging your doors. So it looks like this. Let me go to the limo here real quick. So it looks like this. You don't want nobody um, keying your car. You don't want anybody scratching your car. You don't want anybody laying into your car. Don't worry. It's the last day. We're done after this. It's okay. You don't want nobody nailing into your car, like putting all kinds of stuff. It's okay. It's a half a car. It's fine. You don't want anybody doing that. Here's why. Here's why. Here's why. Because you've been hurt. And it's painful to trust again. And because it is, you park far away so you don't risk being hurt again. What I want to invite you to do is there's a Jesus that says, will you trust me again? I know it's hard. I know even bringing up these thoughts are painful. I know that it's excruciatingly painful and emotional. And he says, my arms are wide open. Will you come back to me? Ladies and gentlemen, today I'm asking you, I want to talk to four people as we close. Number one, to the single person. I want you to say, God, I promise I will not make marriage a God. I will not make loneliness a jail cell. I will fall in love with you afresh and run hard after you. What I want you to do is I want you to stay there. I don't want you to pray. I want to say, God, will you help me to do that, please? God, will you help me to look over these lists of eight and see how I need to grow in these areas? And after the wind is finished singing, if you have recommitted your life to that, then I want you to stand. To my people who are married, who are doing great, I'm asking you, will you, will you remind each other that divorce is not on the table? We'll have a high view of marriage and we will show the world what Jesus' love looks like by how we love each other. To the person that's divorced, 
And now you're saying to yourself, God, I feel like I'm not worthy. To you, God invites you. Will you cast your care upon him? Will you walk slowly toward him? He has already forgiven you. He has already given you grace. He has already given you mercy. He has already given you compassion. And all he wants to know, will you help me? The Lord is saying to you, will you let me teach you how to trust again? Will you help me do that? And so what I want you to do is simply sit there and I want you to ask God, God, I'm not going to park far away anymore. I'm going to come close and I'm going to hear from you and I'm going to trust you all over it. I'm not going to trust somebody else first. I'm going to trust you and let you lead. And then number the last one is the person who has been remarried since then. Will you say, God, thanks for your grace. God, thanks for your mercy. Thanks for giving me a new opportunity now. God, from this day forward, we're saying, not my will, but thy will be done. And we're going to make this the best model of marriage that has ever happened in the world. And I'm going to let the world see what it looks like when somebody has been given another chance and they love like Christ loved. Contemplate as the Wayne sings, and after you've made the recommitment, you stand and worship your God together. Let's worship Him.